0: Churchill said, those who fail to learn from history are condemned to repeat it. Kevin Hallinan believes that certainly applies to business. Welcome to Winning Business Radio, here at W4CY Radio. That's
1: W4CY.com. And now, your host, Kevin Hallinan. So glad you're here again today at Winning Business Radio. I am Kevin Hallinan. Regular listeners know that the mission of this show is to offer insights and advice to help people avoid the mistakes of others, quite simply to learn best practices, the how-tos, the what-tos, the what-not-tos, and to be challenged and certainly to be inspired by the successes of others. Every successful person I've ever talked to has had failures in their lives and careers. So while we all have to get our knees skinned once in a while, I'm driven to keep those scrapes from needing major surgery. Let's endeavor to learn from history so we don't repeat it. Today, my guest is Tiffany O'Connell, principal of O'Connell Law, LLC. Here's Tiff's bio. Tiffany is the principal of O'Connell Law, LLC. Tiff focuses her practice on estate planning, Medicaid and veterans benefits planning, trust and probate administration, business succession planning, charitable planning, and retirement and wealth strategies. She started her own practice in 2010 in order to provide a high level of service, customer service to her clients. Prior to her having her own practice, she was an attorney with an estate planning firm on the North Shore. That's Massachusetts for those not in the area. She joined that firm in '07 following an active duty tour in the Army's Judge Advocate General Court That's JAG at Walter Reed Army Medical Center in Washington, D.C., where she served for a year and a half as soldiers counsel for disabled soldiers. Prior to her her active duty tour, Tiff worked for many years in the insurance industry, both in-house as well as with an insurance defense law firm. She received her bachelor's degree in English from Boston College in 1991, her J.D. from New England School of Law in '94. She earned her LLM in taxation, that's a Master's of Laws, at Boston University Law School in twenty eleven. She's also she also, excuse me, has received her accredited estate planner designation from the National Association of Estate Planners and Councils. She's admitted to practice law. Is that admitted? You're you're like coming clean. She's admitted to practicing law. <laughs> See how that reads? She's admitted to practice law in Massachusetts and New Hampshire. Tiff is a member of the American Bar Association, Boston Bar Association, Boston Estate Planning Council, Fiduciary of Court, National Academy of Elder Law Attorneys, National Association of Estate Planners and Councils, New Hampshire Bar Association, and Wealth Council, LLC. Uh, She's also involved with her community and serves as a board member of the Bethany Hill School. That's an affordable housing community with a focus on education and inclusion, club president of her local Rotary Club, and as a committee member for Leadership Metro West. In her spare time, as if she has any... She enjoys cycling and spending time with family and friends. She's also licensed as a commercial pilot and flight instructor and hopes to one day have time to fly and buy, we're going to ask about this, a $100 hamburger. She lives with husband and cat Peanut in Natick, Massachusetts. Tiff, welcome to Winning Business Radio. Appreciate you being here.
2: Oh, thank you, Kevin.
1: So let's start right there. What's with the $100 burger?
2: Yeah, it's probably actually a more expensive burger now. Yeah. Uh, so the idea is, uh, would you fly for uh, pleasure?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: It costs so much to actually for the fuel and for the plane and all that. And so the the standing saying or joke was, "Yeah, I'm going to go for a hundred dollar hamburger because if you were flying from one local airport to another and then having breakfast or lunch, yeah. it was like a hundred dollars." So, but yeah. now it's definitely more than that. But that kind of saying just stuck.
1: There's a listener comment, by the way, not a question, saying, Tiffany, are you kidding me? That's only one person? So that's that's because of your bio. So you have a cat, but I understand your dog sitting at the moment as well.
2: I am. So I apologize in advance. Uh, Lucy seems to be taking a nap, but um, I'm <laughs> hoping that she'll stay quiet during this interview.
1: Let's hope so. But if if she does bark, we all know it. She's a friendly dog, friendly bark. So. That's it. I always like to begin, Tiff, with giving listeners a chance to see their or, and understand the background of a guest. So let's talk, where did you grow up?
2: Yeah, so I grew up uh, just outside Boston mm-hmm. in Dedham, Massachusetts.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, which is Metro West for those not sure. It's a little west. Um, what were your interests when you were younger?
2: Oh, gosh. Um, I was actually a really shy kid. Yeah. Uh, a happy Saturday for me was reading and then actually helping my mom clean. I, now I'm like, I can't believe that. But uh, yeah, I just, I was actually a really shy kid. So I was into soccer. I definitely did that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was very much a bookworm.
1: Oh, that's good. That's great, though. So you you went to law school, according to your bio, you went to law school right after college. So to me, you knew you wanted to be a lawyer, right?
2: You know, honestly, I wasn't sure. I mean, Mm. I did not want to be a lawyer, but I just, I I think when I was getting ready to to graduate from undergrad, that uh, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Mm. And so heading into a law degree seemed to be the best choice for me, but it's not the way that I actually would recommend others make a choice. But I'm certainly glad I did. Um, But I probably, I actually wish I had waited a couple of years before gone into law school. Why? I think I was tired, first of all, going right from undergrad to law school. Yeah. I was mature for my age, or, like, or at least I'd like to believe so. Um, but I guess I really noticed the difference when I went to get my master's of law at BU years later. Right. I had so much more out of that. And I think it was because, one, I had worked and I had understood then how yeah. things work. And, you know, I was... Probably more mature, and I wanted to go back. And so, in some ways, I wish I had waited. I think I would have gotten more out of it. Um, but I'm certainly glad I did it. But sure. I don't know if I went in with the altruistic thing of, yes, I want to go in. I know what I want to do. I want to save the world mm.
1: So I know a number of people that are that are have have a law degree that you know they're they don't practice. They're a CEO or an executive, and that that skill set has helped them tremendously in their business, but they're not, per se, practicing lawyers.
2: Right, right. And I think that happens a lot. And that's not bad by any means. Sure it's, sure, it's really the skills that you learn in law school, I think, really help you no matter what you do. But if you don't, if you know you don't want to become an attorney, I'm not too sure I would recommend for someone <laughs> to go through the
1: law school. Right, right. Yeah. What are some of those skills? Some of them may be obvious, some may not be.
2: Yeah, I mean, the big one is analytical skills, right? Mm -hmm. Because they really teach you to dive in and really question what's being asked. Um, So analytical skills being one of them, um, you certainly, I'd like to believe you learn how to communicate a little Mm -hmm. bit better. The one thing law school doesn't teach you, at least when I went through, is they don't teach you actually what happens out in the business world. And it, because it's like this little ivory tower and again, it's right. good or bad, but it's just, you learn analytical skills, you learn how to um, research, you learn how to be, um, you know, good lawyering skills, but you don't learn those other skills that are crucial.
1: Yeah. In particular, especially because it's now crossing into my world a little, a little bit. The thing I hear a lot is nobody ever, no one ever taught me how to market or grow my business. Right.
2: Oh, or run a business,
1: or run a business, right? Yeah. So you were—you um, maybe I didn't get a chance to ask this when we talked earlier, but when and why did you decide to join the military? And are you still active? Not active in that military sense, right? But
2: well, no, actually. So I so I was definitely in the Army Reserves. I'm no longer in the Army Reserves. Okay. so I have retired. Mm-hmm. From the army, but I did go in in 2002. Mm-hmm. Um, I would, had actually filled an application prior to 9/11, so I can't say that 9/11 was my mm. reason for going in. Um, but it was just something that I wanted to do. I, I did want to give back. Yeah. Um, and it was really, it was very outside of my comfort zone, and so I, in a way, I kind of wanted to. Find something where I could give back, but really find a way to push myself and grow.
1: So, you were a lawyer already, or you see, you're out of law school already, right?
2: Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. I actually didn't do it necessarily the traditional route. Right. Because right. if you go in as part of your undergrad or for your JD, oftentimes the military will help support financially. And that mm-hmm. I did not do. I should have done it that way.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, when you when you joined the Army, right? Um, was it yeah. specifically for JAG?
2: Correct. So yeah. at the time, the Army was the only service or branch that you could go in as a reservist. And mm-hmm. I knew at the time that I didn't want to just automatically go in and go on active duty, though I knew active duty would probably come along, which it did. Right. Um, but I went in as a reservist so I could continue to you know, be home and um, also have my civilian job.
1: So, tell everybody what the responsibilities of a, just in general, a reservist are, and then we'll get into JAG.
2: Yeah, and again, this is back from the 19, uh, you know, the early 2000s, so Mm -hmm. I don't know exactly what they would say now, Um, but our... Think of a JAG as it's an, a JAG is an attorney, whether it's with the Navy or the Army or the Marines. So JAG is a universal term that's used for an attorney. And really, you've got attorneys that are in all different specialties, mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. the military. So you can think of the military as kind of its own microcosm, which would have all different. You know, needs. And so so
1: it's not just what the typical person what what I you know, what what I could see typically is you see it on TV or in the movies where, you know, they're uh, a is defending a soldier, marine, airman or whomever in a court martial.
2: Right. Exactly. So there certainly are jags who do that. But there's I mean, jags are needed for all different areas of the law. Mm. Um, And so one of the things I found is that in my role as a JAG, I was called to end up doing some estate planning, which you wouldn't think for a JAG, but that was part of my role.
1: At Walter Reed.
2: At Walter Reed.
1: And what were the conditions? I mean, were these, well, I guess the answer is somewhat obvious. If they're at Walter Reed, they're injured in some way, but these were all injured soldiers.
2: Correct. Um, So these were soldiers who uh, had either been injured overseas Mm -hmm. um, because of, you know, the various conflicts that we were having, um, various war that we were having. Um, It could be someone who was stateside and got hurt. It could be someone who wasn't necessarily hurt, but had an illness that popped up. And so these were definitely soldiers who needed medical care.
1: So were you supporting just soldiers or airmen, Marines,
2: no, so for me, it was just soldiers. Just so soldiers,
1: okay. Correct. Okay. Um, so tell us about maybe a couple of the uniquenesses to do estate planning for a soldier. I think of soldiers as early 20s. Yeah. Not all, certainly not all. Uh, you know, special forces can be in their 30s and general officers can be much older than that. But I, I imagine most of them were younger, right?
2: Correct. And so uh, traditionally, I mean, what would happen is there would be at least on the reserve side, there would be a weekend a year Mm -hmm. where the soldiers would need to come through and they would see the dentist and the doctor and the Mm -hmm. lawyer, just make sure everything was updated and current. And so if a soldier came through and came to, you know, the legal section of where, you know, where they were for the weekend, and we found out that they didn't have a power of attorney or a healthcare proxy or a will, we would do that for them right there.
1: Were those optional or were those required?
2: No, you certainly couldn't force someone to do that.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But that said, there were talks yeah. for them, right? And mm-hmm. I'm not sure mm-hmm. the superior notice if they didn't sign off on something. So we didn't have anyone come through that didn't want one, but I'm not too sure maybe they knew what they were doing. But mm-hmm. At least it was a very good thing to do because they they did need to have one in place.
1: And is this prior to a deployment or in general?
2: It was in general, but Mm -hmm. especially if there was a unit getting ready to deploy, they would definitely have one of those, uh, say, weekends to get ready.
1: Okay. Just curious. And do you still practice any veterans law?
2: For me now, the only type of veterans work that we do just because of where my specialty has mm-hmm. really become a niche is when we have clients come in who have served on active duty during mm-hmm. time period. There's something called veterans aid and attendance benefits that a veteran or a surviving spouse for a veteran is able okay. to obtain if they meet certain assets. Threshold requirements, and so we'll we'll help guide them along that journey.
1: Okay, and that makes sense. Uh, as well as uh, any problems they may have in acquiring veterans' benefits in general, like healthcare, any of those types of issues. There's that- is was really just a state-related. <laughs>
2: Right. For us, we've really limited it to the estate um, just because that's where I stay current. Um, right. So for others, we refer out to others that would handle.
1: Makes sense. And this may take us a little past the break, so we'll ask. I may I may pause you, but uh, you're also a commercial pilot and flight instructor. That's fascinating. Uh, how did you get into that?
2: Oh, goodness. Um, I've always loved flying. And so one of my career paths that I had actually explored was to actually become a commercial pilot with an airline. Um, and then, uh, you know, time, money, definitely into sure. it. But I did, I went through, got my private, my, I got my instrument, um, Got the commercial rating, got the flight instructor rating, got my multi-engine, and then sadly 9-11 happened, and the job's dried up. And so I realized I wasn't going to be going that course, so now it's for pleasure.
1: Well, that's fun. And how often do you get up? Do you teach?
2: You know, I haven't gotten up in a long time. So it's the type of thing that I stay current for information just because of the flight instructor, because you have to recertify at least ground every couple of years, but, um, I, I would actually have to go up with a flight instructor because it's been so long since I've flown. Mm. It's the type of thing that unless you can really dedicate time, it's not something just the dabble in.
1: Yeah. No, my brother's a pilot. He has, uh, two planes, actually one that he flies, one that he's building. And I've got a buddy that's got a, uh, fractional ownership in a plane at the Norwood airport. He and at least one other guy own it together. So he's up a lot. My brother's up a lot. So, well, we're going to take our first break right here. Um, So we'll be back uh, in just a couple of minutes with Tiffany O'Connor. O'Connell.
0: You're listening to Winning Business Radio with Kevin Hallinan on W4CY Radio. That's W4CY.com. Don't go away. More helpful information is coming right up, right here on Winning Business Radio.
2: dreamt of being on the radio well now is your chance be a radio show guest on the number one ranked internet radio station and promote you and your business for free yes you heard it free business advertising right here on w4cy.com call 561-506-4031 now to get booked on one of our shows that's 561-506-4031
4: get your free advertising now
0: You can tell what's wrong with a car just by sitting next to it at a red light. You can tear down a big block engine in 26 minutes. You know cars. We can help you find more of them to work on. And together, we can get your small business moving in the right direction. At AT AT&T Advertising Solutions, we have more ways to reach more people. With print, online, mobile, and direct marketing, AT&T Advertising Solutions has local advertising experts to help your small business find more customers. Call 1-800-GET-REAL to learn more. AT&T Rethink Possible.
1: Hi, this is Ian Hale, and you're listening to W4CY Radio.
0: Be seen, be heard on the Internet's number one ranked radio station right here in West Palm Beach. What a way for your business to have a voice. Now is the time to advertise your business on W4CY.com. Call 561-506-4031 for a deal you won't refuse. Again, that's 561-506-4031. Don't wait. Call now. And now back to Winning Business Radio with Kevin Hallinan, presenting exciting topics and expert guests with one goal in mind, to help you succeed in business. Here once again
1: is Kevin Hallinan. So we are back with not O'Connor, but Tiffany O'Connell of O'Connell Law LLC. Uh, and and uh, I won't do that again, Tiff. I, I know you so well that I can't believe I did that. But it is what it is, right? It My is. My apologies. So we were talking about flying, and I also notice uh, that you are a Rotarian, and you mentioned in the break that you need to, and so do I, by the way, update your bio as a past president now, Uh, and you're not as active as you once were, but tell me about, I want people to understand what being Rotarian is, Um, so first start there.
2: Sure, Um, and maybe what I'll do is just start to say why I joined. Yeah. Because that might help describe it a little bit. So one of the things that I found that even though I grew up in Natick, um, I'm actually back living in Natick, though I moved away for a number of years, mm-hmm. is that even though I was here, I didn't feel very connected to my community. Mm-hmm. And I had to find a way to get you know, connected to the community. And so someone had mentioned about Rotary and I had never heard of it, but it was, I was invited to come and check it out. But it, what to me, what it is, is at least on the local level, because people probably have heard of Rotary sometimes on the international level, Uh, for the many good things that Rotary has done. But for at the local level, what it was is it was just a really great way to find out the needs that were in the community, Um, whether it was that um, our local town right next to us, our group um, hands out uh, dictionaries to every Mm -hmm. third grader. Mm -hmm. And you know, going and doing that and finding out how much it means to these kids still today to receive, you know, a dictionary and that they remember this and they tell their siblings. So when it's time for that sibling to get their dictionary, they're That's all right. Right. Um, but, you know, it's, it's that it's it's um, it could be bring helping bring forward um, more information and knowledge regarding uh, anti-bullying issues, uh, you know, trying to help mm-hmm. prevent mm-hmm. bullying in the schools. Um, one of the things I'm very proud of that we did as part of Rotary is because one of the things we need to do is to help for these things, these scholarships or helping out for these different um nonprofit purposes, is you have to raise money. And so we I, I don't know how many hot dogs I've served <laughs> at the years. Um, But, you know, you need to raise money. So, one of the things that we did, and this is something that's still running today, so I'm just so thrilled to have been part of this, is we set up an all-you-can-eat ice cream event on the Native Common called the scoop of palooza that happens every June. And about 2,000 people now to that event. And it's just, it's a great event for everyone. And so, and it helps support the wonderful things that the Rotary is doing, and so it's just—it's it's a great group. of just business owners or um, just other folks in the community mm-hmm. that just want to get together and and help make their community better.
1: You may remember I don't. There are, t- I mean, ten thousand or more Rotary clubs across the world. It's—it's it's, Rotary is in almost every country on the planet, um, and it's small groups of people. You know, from from sometimes. 10 or 15, usually 30 to 40, sometimes bigger. But it's a group of people that are in a town, like you like you described, in a, in a region or, or an area, and they just want to give back. I, I joined, same, st- st- wow, I can't talk, similar story in that I was invited to attend. I thought it was more of a business networking thing. And it's a little bit of that. Well, I, quick, I quick, quickly realized... I must not have enough caffeine in me today that it was about giving back, just as you said. And one of the projects that our chapter, our club is working on is, um, and you'd you'd think of how basic this is in 2019, clean water. Yes. Um, You know, clean water, the lack of clean water affects everybody. Kids can't go to school. So they're functionally illiterate because they're sick due to one factor. They drink contaminated water. So for say, $10,000, you can put in a system that is self-sustaining. They just need to clean out the filter once in a while. Very simple. And it lasts for generations, you know. So that's the, the type of thing that Rotary does. And I, I knew, you know, just knowing you as I do, that um, you had pretty specific reason why Rotary was important to you. And, and I echo those those sentiments. Um, so let's get into more of the law. From your LinkedIn profile, um I read them. Let me read them again. I want you to kind of differentiate the different areas of law that you practice or could practice. Um, And it, as listeners probably can figure out, probably not every day, right? But the matters that come across your desk with the individuals that you, families that you work with, estate planning, elder law, probate, probate administration and trust administration, business succession, Medicaid planning, veterans benefits planning, and charitable planning. Can you sort of differentiate each of those areas so people understand the different types of law that you practice?
2: It, certainly. And and before that though, I think what I'm gonna do is kind of narrow it to Good. two groups. And Good. that way I can show how the other ones interrelate with it. Because it's more that. Good. So really we're an estate planning and elder law practice firm. And so we focus on helping folks get the proper um, documents in place for estate planning, whether it's a will, a power of attorney, a health care proxy, trusts. Um, we help them with um, wealth preservation planning, you know, to help minimize taxes where mm-hmm. it's appropriate, to make sure that their kids are going to be taken care of, to make sure that if they themselves should suddenly become sick, that they have a plan in place so that way everything can run as smoothly as possible. Um, tied with that, very quickly after starting into doing that type of work, I realized that elder law was something that was very tied in with it.
3: Mm. Mm-hmm.
2: I feel that for estate planning, you need to be talking with someone about elder law issues. And that could just be, again, you know, what happens if you should get sick as you get older? You know, what's the plan in place to help deal with that? Right. Um, help make sure that had the right resources to help make sure that they can, you know, plan appropriately so that they'll have the assets that they need. We don't do financial planning at mm-hmm. our firm, but mm-hmm. we certainly, we can raise the flag and say, hey, you need to pay attention to this. And so our whole goal is just to make sure things are in place, are as orderly as possible, and that it gives people peace of mind. Um, so knowing that's kind of the global view of what we do mm-hmm tied in with it, we'll have people that come in that are business owners, right? And as mm-hmm. part of their estate plan, we need to be talking with them about, hey, you as a business owner, have you started planning what your exit's going to look like? Because you're going to exit one day, whether you want to or not. Right. So that business succession ties in because of doing the estate plan. Um, a lot of people are charitably inclined, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. And really helping them be able to leverage that with um, whether they're doing gifting directly to charities or they want to keep an income stream and have um, a gift go afterwards. So there's many different techniques we can use but we want to make sure that the giving that they do is is very strategic so that way it can maximize their dollar but also benefit the charity as much as possible. Um, I think what veterans benefit planning, I think we talked about beforehand, that would be the aid um, aid and attendance benefits. If there was a um, veteran who had served during a wartime period that – you know, no longer had assets to pay for the long-term care to make sure they were pointed in the right direction for that. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think what I might have missed on that list.
1: Medicaid. Ah, oh,
2: Medicaid. Yeah. yeah. So, our goal. So, a lot of people get confused between Medicare and Medicaid. They're two very different things. So, Medicare is someone's health insurance, mm-hmm. and most people think of it of it as health insurance once they get to age 65 that's the most common mm-hmm. that's very different from medicaid um so there are medicaid health benefits that um, people can tie into but for my purpose when i'm talking about medicaid i'm talking about medicaid from the purpose of a long um needing long-term care okay so think of it most people think of it as someone's getting older if their health goes down and they end up in a nursing home this is what would pay for that if they can't themselves Mm -hmm. and so think of it as a well a governmental welfare benefit that would pay for someone's long-term care when they get into a nursing home so that's the part of medicaid that we get involved with
1: i got it so take us back a little bit, and um, again, this may take us a little bit up to the uh, past the break. If so, we'll pick it up, but why did you decide to focus on estate planning and elder care law?
2: Mm, well, that's a loaded question. Yeah. Um, so actually, estate planning and therefore elder law was really the last thing I was ever going to do in law school.
1: Because mm-hmm. class- I know you're, according to your bio, you started in insurance.
2: Right. right? And That I was... Uh, Necessarily driven to want to go into insurance, but I ended up right. going into insurance. I was very happy to have done that. So, in law school, I was not planning on doing estate planning. It seemed to me very dry. It seemed very boring. I wasn't too. Tush- it seemed very um, just archaic. So, it wasn't something that I was very interested in, um, and it also wasn't my best class in law school for whatever reason so during law school i was law clerking for um an insurance company liberty mutual and they ended up hiring me on afterwards so i ended up in the insurance industry for a number of years and it wasn't until i did wills and power of attorneys for the army for soldiers that i really realized i'm like oh my gosh it's not boring it's not archaic it's about people it's about helping people and it's about giving them peace of mind and making sure sure they have a plan in place. So that way, you know, if they become incapacitated or upon passing, things will be smooth for them. And so Mm -hmm. it was human connection that made me really want to go into it.
1: We do have a listener question from Kenny, and it takes us back just a moment. Actually, you know what, we'll go to break. We'll come back with Kenny's question right after the break. So we'll be back in just a couple of minutes with Tiffany O'Connell.
0: you're listening to winning business radio with kevin hallinan on w4cy radio that's w4cy.com don't go away more helpful information is coming right up right here on winning business radio
2: This is Lindsay Schoolcraft, The Cradle of Filth, and you're listening to W4CY Radio.
4: Is your pet overweight? suffer from itchy skin and coat problems showing signs of food allergies then do your pet a favor stop by fiesta pet deli south florida's original and only fresh food deli for pets prepared daily and fda approved with products like bravo nature's variety and biocomplete listen dogs and cats are carnivores 90 percent of their diet should be meat that dry kibble you put in their bowl every day contains less than half of what their bodies require veterinarian owned and operated fiesta pet deli has one mission to get your pet as healthy as possible give them a call today at 954-971-2500 or come check out their new store at the festival flea marketplace at sample road in the turnpike in pompano florida they also offer free local delivery shipping throughout the united states check out their website at www.realfoodforpets.com or just google fiesta pet deli if you truly love your pet and care about their health stop by fiesta pet deli call today at 954-971-2500
0: This is Felix Griffin, drummer for MOD Classic. You're listening to W42Y Radio. Thank you so much.
4: Have you ever dreamed of having your own radio show? Well, W4CY Radio makes dreams come true. You can be a radio personality on the number one ranked internet radio station in West Palm Beach, Florida. We can be heard in 105 countries and all U.S. states. Promote your business. Earn up to $10,000 per month and more. It's all up to you. Have fun and be heard. Call 561-506-4031. That's 561-506-4031. Start your radio show now.
0: Now back to winning business radio with Kevin Hallinan presenting exciting topics and expert guests with one goal in mind to help you
1: succeed in business. Here once again is Kevin Hallinan. We're back once again with Tiffany O'Connell of O'Connell law LLC. And Tiff, we had a question right at the break, just a, a moment before the break from Kenny who said, who can get these benefits? And we think he's referring to Medicaid benefits.
2: Right. Cause I think that, uh, question came in right at the time we were talking about that. Um, so I can speak very generally, mm-hmm. um, but if someone thinks that they may be in the area of needing these, it's crucial that they go and they sit down with an elder law attorney who focuses on this area. Um, so they should definitely look to their local area and make an appointment to discuss But basically for Medicaid purposes, what happens is this, if someone is, say, Going into a nursing home or isn't a nursing home, and this is this is for my area of law, right? right. So there's Medicaid as for other things, but for we're in this particular situation, which is why I can speak to, if someone needs to apply for benefits, that means that they've reached the point where they can't pay anymore.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So at least in this area of Metro West Boston, the typical cost for nursing home care per month is anywhere between ten to fifteen thousand dollars per month.
1: That is crazy. I mean, it is what it is, right? But that is just so much money.
2: That is insane. And so for someone who's worked so hard, their assets can go very, very quickly. Mm. Therefore, the issue is they run out of money. and, And that's when the government has to pick up and pay. And so that's where Medicaid would come in. And so what happens is when someone does need to go on Medicaid, they need to apply and if for a single person that means that they have generally they've spent their assets down to $2000 um so they basically have spent everything yeah. if someone is um married and there is a spouse at home they can keep definitely much more than that but it's still it's not as much as you would think and because i'm not too sure where this is going out to right. listeners right. And each state's different. I want to just keep very general. Um, But it's just very important that if you think you are going to run out of assets, I would recommend seeing an elder law attorney sooner than later because when you go to apply... You need to make sure that application is done right because you do not want Medicaid to come back and deny you. And so you, you really should bring in an elder law attorney, at least for a consult, to make sure you're on the right path.
1: How long is that process, Tiff?
2: To once you've applied? yes. Uh, so what it can take a few months before Mm. you hear determination. And so it's a very stressful time for people. Um, I, I just, my whole goal is hopefully to help people so they don't need to go on it. But if someone does come to me and they do need to go on, I want to make sure I can guide them as quickly and smoothly as possible.
1: All right. Let me ask this. I know, we know that there are advisors to, Uh, to business people and individuals who are listening, and we know that there are certainly business people themselves and and individuals that are listening. What are the main reasons that either clients directly would come to you or an advisor or another attorney would suggest to their client that they should come see you?
2: Uh, So at least here in the Metro West Boston area, we have Absolutely wonderful estate planning and elder law attorneys. So there are actually quite a few of us in this area, and mm-hmm. many of them are very, very good. And so I really think that if if you need estate planning, if you need elder law, you do want to look to someone that that's what they do. Right. This type of planning versus someone who kind of just dabbles in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I do worry that they they just don't know what they don't know. And so I, I really think this is an area where this specialty you should be focused on and you should seek someone who is focused on it. Right. I think really then once you've determined that, you know, the person that's what they focus on, they've been doing this a long time. and Yeah, I have been doing this a long time now, <laughs> um, but you know, once you know that they've met those credentials, then it's just going to be, is it the right fit for you? Mm-hmm. And you know, just like people, attorneys and elder law and estate planning attorneys, we all have different personalities, Mm -hmm. right? And some personalities are going to jive with someone and some aren't. Um, So for me personally, we've made a real um, concerted effort to just be who we are. And so really for someone coming into our office, it doesn't look like an office. It looks like you're coming into someone's living room and you're being invited nice. into your home. Yeah. But that's that's very purposeful on our part because that's really the the feeling that we want to convey. Because these are very deep and sensitive things that people are going to be talking about. Um it, you know, I, I say this jokingly, but um I'm a big hugger. And so, you know, if someone isn't You know, into that wanting to get a hug, they might not be the best fit for us because we're very much into you know not every we don't give everyone a hug. I mean, I
1: certainly respect us. It's not not required
2: to give them a hug. It's not a requirement, (laughs) but it is that kind of feel. Mm-hmm. Right. And so really for anyone that does need a state plan or elder law, you know, just make sure that's what that person does, make sure that they have experience and then just make sure their personality is the right fit for you.
1: And you're interacting not just with one person, but you're interacting, my guess is right, with several members of a family.
2: Oh, very much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you could, um, you know, if you, you've got someone coming in and they have minor children, it's usually just that person or the married couple that come in. Mm-hmm. But oftentimes it's a multi generational thing mm-hmm. that is getting older, they need to get a plan in place or they need help because they're starting to get ill. And so they'll come in and the kids will come in.
1: So let's take this to a business perspective. What are some of the unique issues that business owners versus individuals should be wary of when it comes to estate planning, maybe succession planning?
2: Yeah, so I think – and sometimes I feel like I can definitely fall into this category myself because I am a business owner. Right. It gets so wrapped up in the business – that you forget to take care of other things. And one of those things is doing your own estate plan. Mm. And so for business owners, the big thing that I would make sure of is just please make sure you do sit down with an estate planning attorney to talk about, you know, what you need for a plan and also to talk about, you know, those business succession issues. Um, so just as an example, we just recently had a client come in that has a very successful business One child of the three kids is involved with the business, the other two are not. Mm -hmm. So many business owners, without really thinking about it, would say, oh, yeah, I want things to go in equal shares to my three kids. I love them equally. Well, okay, but that would mean then that upon your passing, all three kids would be owners. Is that what you want, right? How can we structure something so that we're being fair to all the kids, but also making sure that we're not having the kids be all co-owners of a business? That may not be a good idea from a sibling standpoint Mm -hmm. or from a business standpoint. And so it's attention to those
1: things. So we want to protect the person that's in the business, perhaps the one going to take it over. And there may even be one of the adult children doesn't want that. Correct. Right. Correct. So if that were the scenario, let's just be purely hypothetical. Yeah. You have two siblings don't want to have anything to do with the business. They love their family. They love their parent. They love their sibling that's in the business. How how would they quote, divide that, split those... Uh, Assets without hurting the business and keeping everybody sort of whole, if you will.
2: Yeah, and and so this kind of comes down to the business owners, please, please do your planning before you think you need to. Um, And the earlier the better because one of the things that happens and this happens way too often is Mm. this is not unusual for business owners. Much of your assets are tied up in the business. And so if you're trying to be equitable among all the kids, You may end up being in a situation then where the kid who does want to keep the business running has to buy out their other siblings and are there funds to be able to do that, right? So one of the things when we can get to um, business owners soon enough and they're healthy and on the younger side is let's look at some life insurance because that way some life insurance can pay out to make everything equitable, there you go.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Putting that child who's involved with the business in a real financial strait or having to close the business.
1: So, would those funds, and I was going to ask you to define this for listeners anyway, would those funds go to a trust and the trust would would uh, pay those funds? In that answer, talk to us about what a trust is.
2: Oh, yeah. So, uh, so a trust think of it as just a set of instructions that says what you want to have happen with any property that the trust owns or that the trust might receive through, say, a beneficiary. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: All right. Now, the person who follows whatever the instructions are and takes care of whatever the assets are, that person is called a trustee, and they're taking care of everything for who's going to be benefiting, and that person is called the beneficiary. So knowing that... There are two kinds of trusts. There are revocable trusts with an R, and there are irrevocable trusts with an I. They have very different purposes. And so in the scenario that we were talking about, if someone was getting a pretty big hefty life insurance policy that, you know, they just need to pay out upon Mm -hmm. passing, and they happen to be in a state like Massachusetts where there's an estate tax we might look at an irrevocable trust so that the trust owns that insurance, and it would the insurance would pay out to that trust for the purpose that we talked about. It would be a better tax advantage generally to do that. Um, it, Kevin, I think you're gonna invite me back to have a whole discussion on trusts because there's many different things to talk about there.
1: Well, I just wrote that down. <laughs> But trust is something you hear a lot, and you know I have a general understanding. But uh, I, that's what I suspected—that there were many different types and reasons, and twists and turns. That you, again, you could spend a whole hour just talking about that. Um, let me ask this: I always, you know, the the whole nature of the show is, you know, the 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 quote that says, "If we don't learn from history, we're destined to repeat it." Right? Right. Sure. And so. I want the advisors, the business owners, you're both who are on the show to give advice, not legal advice, but I want them to give advice as some things to watch out for. And so I want to take you through your career just for a couple of minutes here, because we've all had mistakes, right? So can you think about maybe a specific either mistake or misstep misstep even that you made over your career um, that just comes to mind?
2: Uh, Yes, I can. and so, something that I would communicate to business owners, mm-hmm. and, and this is going to, of course, depend on the state where they are, and I can only speak to the state I'm in, but one of the things that many business owners, and I'm going to speak about small business owners mm-hmm. here, mm-hmm. but one of the things that they might do is, for their employees, they may just pay a salary versus pay that employee hourly. Mm-hmm. And I'm not an employment attorney, so right. I, Disclaimer. You know, I need to go see their employment attorney advice there. Right, But many people just think, you know what, I'm paying my person very, very well. Um, I take care of them. And so there's not a problem. And so what I'm trying to describe here is that. Every business owner should make sure they have employment attorney guidance, Mm -hmm. because you can end up running afoul of that, even if you think you've done everything right. And so, um, just a very quick scenario for you, and I'm going to give this as a hypothetical. Purely? Yes, purely as a hypothetical. But if you, as the business owner, think that you're doing the right thing with paying your people very well, and you've got them on salary, And they do not meet, I would say, all of the requirements of someone being an exempt employee versus non-exempt, non-exempt being hourly. Mm -hmm. You might want to make sure you switch that person over to a non-exempt just in case you have an aggrieved employee who feels very vindictive, who wants to file a lawsuit against you, no matter how wrong it might be.
1: And that lawsuit is always going to be for something like... Missing wages, unpaid wages.
2: Correct. And so as a small business owner, that can hurt quite a Mm. bit, even though you have not, quote, done anything wrong. And so just beware of the I pay them very, very well. They're on salary. Make sure if they're on salary that they really should be. And many things that people think that they should be actually are not.
1: Can you, again, maybe it's specific to Massachusetts, that's fine, but just at least help people understand some of those things that would lean an employee to be classified one way or the other.
2: Uh, so again, I would definitely counsel someone to go and seek an uh, employment attorney advice specifically on this, but many of it, much of it comes down to Is that person a professional? Are they they an architect? Are Mm -hmm. they a dentist? Are they a Mm -hmm. lawyer? Um, Are they, you know, are they, um, because of their profession, are they highly, highly skilled? Mm -hmm. That is a component to it. There is a component for how much they are paid. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's a, a threshold there. Beyond that, then it's how much autonomy did they have? Do they manage others? Do, do they have financial control, like of, you know, taking care of ordering and, and maybe doing some of the bookkeeping? Mm-hmm. Um, some of the categories at least in massachusetts really only a business owner would meet so it can definitely be very dicey and so it's something that i I wish every business owner really took to heart and just didn't say oh this wouldn't apply to me because it very well could
1: that's really really good advice so let's take we just have a couple seconds left here what's the best way for people to reach out to you tiff
2: Sure. So probably the best way is to go just right to our website, mm-hmm. which is www.O'Connell, Law, L-A-W, so three L's in a row. Mm-hmm. So O'ConnellLawGroup.com. And you'll find all our contact information as well as more information yeah. about us there.
1: Well, we have time for one quick listener questions. Um, one quick listener question. I just lost it. Hold on. I got to pull that up again.
3: Uh, so, yes, so- I see it.
2: Yes. Greg,
1: thank you for the question. Are these the only things that would put a person on salary? Oh, I know the answer to that question.
2: Yeah, so no. Yeah. <laughs> so again, Greg, if there's any question, definitely go get a consult from an employment attorney right. because this is a really scary area of the law that many people don't know has a really heavy bite, which in many cases shouldn't. It's, a, it's, a, it's definitely a law that has a purpose, but it can be used vindictively and very sadly, costly.
1: Right. And every state is different. Although some states can be similar, every state has its unique laws and there should be a lawyer in that state consulted. Correct. Tiff, thank you so much for being on the show. I've really enjoyed it. And I trust that listeners got some value in listening as well. So thank you for being here.
2: Oh, my pleasure. Thank you.
1: And thanks everybody for listening. As you know, this is a show about business and business challenges. If you've got concerns about the growth of your company, feel free to reach out to me on Facebook or LinkedIn at winning business radio, or drop me a note, Kevin at winning Our company winning incorporated develops sales teams into high achievers and sales leaders into true coaches and mentors. If you think you might need that kind of help, reach out if I can't help you, I can probably point you in the direction of somebody else that can. Thank you to expert engineer Rebel Medler. Tune in again next Monday. Yes, it's Labor Day, but it's September 2nd at 4 p.m. Eastern. We'll have another fun and interesting conversation. You'll be glad you did. Until then, this is Kevin Hallinan.
0: You've been listening to Winning Business Radio with your host, Kevin Hallinan. If you missed any part of this episode, the podcast is available on Talk4Podcasting and iHeartRadio. For more information and questions, go to winningbusinessradio.com or check us out on social media. Tune in again next week and every Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time to listen live to Winning Business Radio on W4CY Radio, W4CY.com. Until then, let's succeed where others have failed and win in business with Kevin Hallinan and winning business radio.